Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly pages of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. Hey there, folks. Uh, my name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and thank you for checking out this uh, latest edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. I am being joined by Brian Murphy, who's the sports editor for our Frisco Little Elm and Solana papers, as well as Justin Thomas, who's the sports editor for our Denton County papers. And gentlemen, let's play some catch-up on the uh, baseball and softball playoffs. It was um, we had we had some weather delays on Friday, but it seems like for the most part everything kind of went off without a hitch. Mm-hmm. You know, no series got prolonged, and and I guess our uh, our, our work day our coverage slates kind of varied some of us had to work a little bit longer than others on saturday sorry brian <laughs> and um but yeah now we have an idea of who all is advanced and we're just going to try to let's just try to make sense out of these first uh out of the first two rounds of the softball playoffs the first round of the baseball playoffs and what we saw over these past few days um just to kind of give you all an update we have man our our markets thinned out quickly in softball we have just four teams left between classes uh, 6a and 5a we've got plano senior flower mound capel and prosper still kicking around and then with one round of the baseball playoffs in the books, we've got Marcus, Saxe, Capel, The Colony, Frisco Reedy, Frisco Wakeland, and Prosper. So congratulations to those teams um, for advancing in their respective series. So let's um, yeah, let's try to make some sense of it all. Um, Justin, what was your uh, I guess your biggest takeaway from uh, you know from what you saw last week, whether it was covering baseball or softball? Um, well, I hate to start with a negative, but Aww. I guess kind of <laughs> biggest storyline is when the state champ is yeah. officially eliminated. We're going to have so. a new class. going to be a new state champion, Class Five. This year. Already. Second round. That's Second crazy. round, yeah. So um, Colony goes down to Forney. It's mm. a they got swept in a best of three series. They lost. Uh, they got handled up on in game one, 13 to one. Much better effort um, out there on Friday, but they come up short by one run to Forney. So um, yeah, the reigning state champs are uh, no longer. They're out in the area round. Um, I don't think it's obvious, honestly, a huge surprise though. This is a Forney team that they played each of the past two years in the playoffs and they needed three games to get past Mm -hmm. them including last year on the way to state. So a familiar foe and a good good, traditionally strong opponent in Forney and not sure exactly what happened in game one. They just I guess it just kind of snowballed but a much better effort but um, just couldn't get it done on Friday. They had a couple chances. Um, I think they we're down two, cut the lead to one, and they had the tying runner at third and the mm-hmm. winning r- go-ahead run at second with one out in the sixth inning. Couldn't couldn't get the tying run across, and then the game ends in a pretty tough way. They get a uh, kind of uh, a sacrifice to move the runner to second. I guess she just got a little antsy, tried to take third as well, and mm-hmm. uh. didn't get there. Kind of got in a little rundown, not even really a rundown, just got tagged out before getting a third. So tough way to, to end the season on the bases there. But, um, yeah, the colony down in the area around Forney. It just shows that 
I mean, you never because this Colony team. I mean, they just. I mean, this was they won state last year. Right. And they looked so dominant, you know, along the way in doing so, and they mm-hmm. had most of the pieces back from that team. Yeah. It just goes to show that you just you never know when the pieces are all going to fall into yeah. place. And I think because um, you covered Louisville, you know, a yeah, handful yeah. of years ago when they mm-hmm. won their state title, and that core was relatively young yeah. at the time, right? Mm-hmm. That was Mary Beth Gorsuch was yeah. a freshman, and when she let him in, I believe the next year they didn't even make the playoffs. The next year before getting back, one of those years they mm-hmm. didn't make it when she was kind of banged up. So yeah, you just—I mean, no matter how locked in and how consistent that core is, you yeah. just—you never know because it's the playoffs are just—it's a different animal altogether. Yeah. That region, you know, Region Two Five A is a different yeah. animal. I mean, it's just how it goes, and like obviously most sports, but baseball and softball. I mean, Colony won the state last year, but like I said, they easily could have lost a game in the second or third round. It's not like they were run-ruling everybody all the way there, you know. So That matchup in the second round is pretty much like a regional tournament. Yeah, it like really is. Forney's so good. I saw them play last year in the playoffs against mm-hmm. Little Elm, yeah. and they're, they had a freshman pitcher last year, Savannah DeRocher or something yeah. like that. I think she was their ace again this mm-hmm. year, and she's awesome. So yeah. I, I, I doesn't surprise me that they yeah. were able to well, up so Yeah, you mentioned colony. the Colony being really young and winning state last year, and so obviously they still have a bright future yeah. because they you know, they have some seniors, but really only one kind of, I would say, core player is going to be graduating from this year. So a lot of their key players will be still mm-hmm. coming back, including most, most of their Division one. As long as you commits. have Jada Coleman, I think you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just for context's sake, this was a rematch of last year's regional final. Right, out, yeah. of, out of Region yeah. 2 That's where the matchup should have been, honestly. In the mm-hmm. second round, that's tough. It's like in basketball with Prosper and Lone Star Girls playing in this third yeah. round. It's, it's yeah. just not fair, you know, for the Well, when you team. don't win the district, That's then the thing, yeah. You yeah. open yourself up to drawing a uh, district champion in, that, round, in yeah. that second round versus the third round um so let's see yeah that was obviously yeah yeah should we keep rolling on with softball and the craziness that w- happened on uh, why not man? As well? this was yeah. <laughs> this is quite a uh, so um so yeah flower mound just a team that has just delivered in the clutch all season and they might have had their uh, their finest hour in that respect yeah. on friday and um was it game three of that series game three against? yeah they had um little weird scheduling because the series out in Cleburne, they actually played game one on Wednesday and Flyermount got that one and then they mm-hmm. went back out there to Cleburne mm-hmm. on Friday for a doubleheader and Waco Midlay got the first game and you know me and you were kind of talking back and forth on Friday. <laughs> I'm here doing some editing and Matt yeah. was still finishing up his story from his game he had that night and um, was kind of looking ahead to Plano playing Midway because we're looking <laughs> at <laughs> looking at Game Changer and Flyermount's down 7-0 to zero in the sixth inning so... Um, it, it was almost a uh, to try to I guess give an example. It was almost like the uh, the classic uh, Dewey defeats Truman yeah. <laughs> moment almost. Where um, see, I was covering Plano Senior against South Grand Prairie because you know Plano won that game. They were going to get the winner of Midway and Flower Mound. And as I'm writing my story, and actually at the very end, you want to throw in a hook as far as what's yeah. going to be who their next uh, who their ma- next matchup's going to be against. So when you go ahead and check game changer, like you yeah. said. Waco Midway was up seven nothing in yeah. the bottom of the oh, sixth, <laughs> and you're thinking, okay, what's? Well, yeah. I guess that's an order, all right? So I, yeah. uh, I proceeded then to just to type up, you know, about a hundred, hundred fifty <laughs> words or so, previewing Plano versus Midway, sending you that story. Yeah. In the event that, um, yeah, because it felt like that was just inevitable at that point, yeah. and then I keep refreshing Game Changer, and it felt like every time I refreshed Game Changer, Flower Mount added a run. Yeah. So I don't know if this. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. So then they, uh, yeah, so they were down seven zero. In the bottom of the sixth, they're able to force extra innings, which is some. Yeah, they got four in the sixth and three in the seventh to force extra innings, and then Grace Meter gets the big walk-off hit in the bottom of the ninth for the eight-seven win. Just, just crazy. So I did, I did revise the end of yeah, my story and send it back to Justin. <laughs> and updated on the web, so there wasn't like, a, hey, get ready for Plano Midway. Yeah. <laughs> 
And um, so that should be, I mean, yeah. I mean, Fire Mound is, I don't know how they, there's like the fourth or fifth time that they've won a game, yeah. like in the last, within the last inning or so, just with some crazy heroics. This is yeah. a team that literally you cannot, no lead is safe against this yeah. Fire Mound team. And props to Fire Mound's Caitlin Sadler. I know mm-hmm. she didn't, she's a pitcher, but she went all nine innings in that game for Fire Mound. So wow. being a workhorse for the Lady Jags. And they'll draw, they'll draw Plano in yeah. the next round, and that's who I got to see on on, yeah. uh, on Friday. Their game was far less dramatic than that. Yeah. I know uh, <laughs> ruled South Grand Prairie fifteen to nothing. This was I mentioned this in my rapid reaction. Like there are going to be some sports where the by district round between five six eight and six six eight is just so back and forth and up and down. You've got two really good teams mm-hmm. going at it, and then if you just you get past that round in some sports, there's a uh, there's going to be a drop off when yeah. you get to that second round against either seven six a or eight six a. And you know, granted, there are some quality softball teams within those two districts, like Midway, like Mansfield, and whatnot. But um, in the case of SGP, I mean, this I mean, it was this was just a no contest. I mean, Plano just it was as dominant <laughs> as Plano's looked all season. Far more dominant than they looked in any one point during district play. Um, yeah, I mean they. They've been. I mean, their offense yeah. has been. What they had that? They had those fifteen runs after what three unions or something? It was fifteen after four, four innings. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw your tweet. You know, I was that was Friday night, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my game was a lot closer. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. You know, mine's back and forth, back down to the wire, and I, I check Twitter and I see your tweet. I was like. 15 to nothing. What's going on? We're in second round. Yeah, you'd think that, you know, it's the way the playoff brackets are structured, it doesn't all the time. You know, the, each round doesn't get progressively more difficult in some sports. It's, you know, that first round might be tough, second round's a little bit easier, but it seems like now that once you're in the third round and going on, it should be, you should, now the uh, now the fun part begins because, yeah, playing a farm ought to be a, that ought to be a doozy with, um, you know, with playing to their offense has just been clicking all season. I mean, they were far and away the best offense in District 6-6A. They, um, between district play and the uh, and the playoffs, they're um, they're averaging you know right around eight and a half runs per game, and it's just the productivity has just been up and down the lineup. Um, one thing in the two games that I've you know seen of theirs, I saw game two of their first round series against Marcus, and then the SGP game. Natalie O'Brien batting six of them already has a uh, two home runs this postseason, home oh. run in each game. Um, you know both pitchers, Bronte Roden, you know she was great in the Marcus series. They threw actually threw their backup pitcher against SGP, um, Audrey McNeil. She obviously pitched a, a complete game shutout so Plano looks I mean yeah they've looked apart but yeah this series against Flyerman ought to be a ought to be a doozy Brian just kind of a let's Real quick, so Plano they only had a one game in their in by district round also no it was a three that was oh, a best that was three, three. Okay. That was best three. Okay. it went all three that's yeah. the series against Marcus was gotcha. you know Marcus oh, beat, yeah, him, yeah, that's right. beat him 9-2 that first game and you know Plano had uh, had to rally and to win uh, you know games two and three and then they get to the second round an area where they had you know struggled these past two years like as mentioned yeah. Mansfield and Midway had both dealt Plano some pretty heartbreaking losses in the second round but that's one way to get the monkey off your back is to run roll an overmatch team 15-0 yeah. uh, Brian let's shift gears to you and just talk a little about what your takeaway from last uh last week was Wakeland softball eliminated in the second round to Hawesville mm. you know and I, I don't I didn't expect that you know uh, that game that series went the distance they played both games on Saturday uh, they lost uh, games two and game three um, Kendall Fritz they maybe figured her out mm-hmm. after facing her back-to-back games um, they, you know they put nine runs on her uh, she led the area in strikeouts I know at the end of the regular season I don't know after the playoff stats and whatnot, but into the regular season, she was leading the area in strikeouts, 233, I think it was. She gave up 12 hits, nine runs. They lose nine to one to Hallsville, so their season is over. But Salina, they look good. Yeah. Friday against Sanger, they scored four runs in the first two innings, and then Sanger just kept crawling back, you know, inched away, inched away, and then that game 
got intense in the seventh inning. Uh, Sanger baited, uh, lo- loaded the bases uh, with one out, and Michaela Galloway got out of it. You know, there was a crazy catch in center. Uh, I put that in my story. That was, you know, uh, Carla Barlett, Salina head coach, said that was the play of the game. It should have been on ESPN that night. It was pretty sweet. I got it on video, and uh, and then come up with huge strikeouts, and they hang on. Now they play Crandall uh, in the uh, in the regional quarterfinals this weekend at Plano West. So they avoid Argyle. Crandall knocked out Argyle in softball. So I thought we were going to get a, a small feet knocking out Argyle. Yeah, for sure. I thought we were going to get a Salina Argyle third round matchup, mm-hmm. and that would have been pretty juicy. You know, district district foes there, and Argyle they're good in like every sport. So, but yeah, no, this little face Crandall and Salina looks really, really good right now. They have two really good pitchers, uh, senior Randy Dobbins and then a sophomore Michaela Galloway, and they just kind of bounce off each other. And they're they're two two aces on the same team, which is really dominant. We talked about all the time, you know, in softball, if you have one ace, you're good. Well, they have two, so yep. Salina can make a deep deep playoff run. Yep. Over in uh, over in baseball, I would say the biggest takeaway from. Uh, from what I saw these past two weeks, um, wow! Let's—I don't know if we hold a moment of silence for District Six Six A or <laughs> what to do. Because wow, like Five Six A just—even though the pieces were different this time around from last year—I mean, Five Six A just remains a juggernaut in uh, on the baseball diamond as they sweep District Six Six A in the first round. Um, I got to see two of the games that were part of that uh, part of that sweep um, on Thursday. South Lake Carroll against Plano. Um, just wow, <laughs> that South Lake offense was just too much. This was a a two game. A two-game sweep. You know, game one. You know, the one I was at was twelve to one South Lake. Uh, the Dragons won game two, seven three. That game was a bit more competitive. It was three to three about midway through. Then South Lake pulled away with four unanswered runs. But um, I mean, just what South Lake's. I mean, that was kind of the story. That was South Lake's offense versus a Plano team that uh, only did, only uh, once during district play in a series did they allow double-digit runs from an opponent over the course of a home and home series. And that was against Plano West. Um, you know, every other series was. You know, they gave up three runs one series. I mean, they're a solid defensive team, but um, just too much offense from uh, from Old South Lake Carroll. And then, um, yeah, I guess JT, you could speak to Marcus. Yeah, well, you'd mentioned Plano West putting double digits up in the regular season, but they uh, the bats were a little quieter against yeah. Marcus. They only scored seven runs total in their three game series against the Marauders. Mm-hmm. So they got. Um, I wasn't covering these games. Our co-worker Taylor was, but uh, Marcus dropped the uh, first game 3-0, but then they came back on Saturday to sweep a doubleheader and uh, get back to the second round after making the regional uh, tournament last year. So um, they get a walk-off hit from uh, Mitchell Dixon to win game two, three to two, and then game three followed also at Marcus, and they kind of pulled away in that (laughs) one. Um, For the 8-2 win, um, we just kind of talked last week, previewing the series about, you know, Marcus, how they have pretty... Pretty tough, uh, one-two tandem on the mound, yeah. and that kind of showed the ca- showed to be the case. Um, especially on Saturday, they had two pitchers that both pitched complete games. Mm-hmm. Um, t- Justin Klein Sorgi pitched the first game, and then Steve Hay- Hayward went the complete game for the game three win. So good uh, pitching from Marcus, and they had four extra base hits to kind of pull away and mm-hmm. win that third game. Um, on Saturday, you know, I was out at Allen to see what was, I guess, you know, if you want to call it on paper, the biggest upset of these, uh, you know, of these four uh, four playoff series. I mean, Byron Nelson and Allen, their three-game series, it went the distance. I mean, these two teams, despite Allen being the 6-6A champion, Byron Nelson being the four seed out of 5-6A, these two teams look like dead equal. I mean, it was, uh, the starting pitching was great on both sides. I went just tabulating 
calculated just the uh, these ERAs collectively for the starting pitching for that series. Allen's was 1.53, and uh, Nelson's was 1.35. And so it was just these were not like uh, it wasn't until uh, on Saturday when you finally got some semblance of offense. You know, mm-hmm. game one was it went uh, what eight nine innings. Allen won you know two to one on a, on an error by Nelson, and then uh, you know Nelson won game two two zero. Um, so these were just, I mean, pitchers' duels in the truest sense. And then finally, um, you know, finally something had to give on Saturday, and that was simply Nelson got to Allen's bullpen, and mm. in a bit of a uh, a bit of a fashion that you know you might not have expected coming in. You know, I don't know if you guys have had to cover a game yet where uh, where a team has had to uh, comply with the pitch count rule. Yeah. No, that really hasn't been an issue for for me throughout the year so no. far. So it was it was the case with um, at least not within a game. Maybe. It was the case with um with Allen, their um you know their starter for game three, Kenton Pierce. They threw him in relief for their extra inning win in game one. He threw forty pitches oh. in game one. So per the uh, the UIL's pitch count rule, you can't pitch more than one hundred and ten over the mm-hmm. course of a series. So he was limited to you know seventy pitches for game three. And in those, uh, he lasted uh, four uh, four and two thirds innings before hitting that limit. Over that course he gave up just one hit no runs left four base runners total and then from the moment Allen had to go to its bullpen through the end of the game Nelson racked up eight hits mm. <laughs> so over the final two and a two and a third um, it started off with kind of a it was a bit of a bang bang play a grounder to third base um, you know I couldn't tell from my vantage point whether the runner was safe or not I mean it was it was a close call obviously Allen fans you know were you know adamantly against it Nelson fans agreed with it you know what else <laughs> what else is new that's <laughs> that's <laughs> realize that at any baseball or softball game you know, called ball or strike. Yeah. Even if you're down the the foul line, you're gonna they're gonna boo any bad bad call, yeah. any close play at the plate. Even though they're way on the other F- side, fans are gonna be fans. They're, they're, they're gonna yeah. <laughs> And um, so then, yes, yeah, so the Nelson runner was safe, and then the very next call it both ways. <laughs> come on, come on, blue. That's the, that's right. the biggest thing here. Come on, blue. why are you squeezing us? <laughs> Uh, so then, on the very uh, the very next at bat, then a Nelson uh, was it Bo Windebank, the leadoff hitter. He um, he sent a shot to uh, to left center field. Allen's uh, yeah, Allen took a bit of an aggressive angle trying to catch it. Uh, wasn't able to get to the ball. Ball bounces to the wall inside the park home run. Mm-hmm. So just like that, I mean, this game where Nelson was just lifeless, you know, for the first four and two thirds, they get just this this momentum boost, this little surge of you know of emotion out of nowhere, and they just kind of ride that through the finish line. They had seven unanswered runs and one. Seven to three in a series that has just been back and forth, back and forth, and something had to give. And you know, it's a tough way to exit for Allen, Allen's bullpen, and whatnot. Um, tough way to exit period for the Eagles, who you know won district for uh, the second straight year. Funny, uh, weird stat. Like this was the first time Allen had lost a by district playoff series since 1999. Now they hadn't made the playoffs every year during that span, but that's the first time they had lost a by district series in yeah almost uh, what almost 20 years. Oh. So um, let's see. Is, um, I don't know. Did you guys have anything otherwise? I had a, a couple little more baseball things I wanted go to for it, on. Uh, first of all, out in 5A, uh, props to the Colony. They win a playoff series for the first time ever. They uh, get past wow. Lone Star in a uh, Frisco Lone Star in a three-game series out at Prosper. They uh, they won Game One on Thursday, dropped Game Two on Friday, and came back on Saturday and got Game uh, Three, three to two. They got a big. Uh, two-run single with the bases loaded from Cade Irwin to get a little early lead and then a little uh, insurance late when Cam Hill tripled and scored on a sacrifice fly by uh, Joseph Whitaker. And uh, kind of like Marcus, we talked about, you know, the Colony's pitching depth maybe being a strength heading into the playoffs. And, you know, it's always nice when you uh, go to a game three and then you have uh, 
two guys you can bring in to c- combine and, you know, Keegan Schultz gives him a great start. He throws the first four innings, and then Jordan Oliveira has three no-hit innings of relief for the save. So, um, really, Colony kind of got it from everywhere. They got great performance on the hill from Shea Hardis to open the series. Kind of got shut down a little bit by Bogus over there at Lone Star in Game 2, but came back with a a good uh, all-around game on Saturday. And then um, the last thing I wanted to touch on was I wanted to give a little shout out to Coppell first uh, they had a one game by district series in LSU signee Ryan Gunter who um, Kendrick former, chatted with former guest of the podcast former absolutely. podcast guest he threw a no hitter it was six innings seven strikeout no hitter so uh, Coppell beats Naaman Forrest 11-0 and then the Coppell softball team also won so they're going to be headed to the regional quarterfinals for the first time since 2009 they beat Lufkin 2-1. Uh, to one. They got two runs in the first inning, and then Nora Rodriguez, um, Coppell's ace in the circle, she threw a uh, complete game with seven strikeouts. Um, Lufkin got a run in the seventh mm-hmm. on a leadoff triple and sacrifice, but they never got the tying run on or anything. So um, Coppell is moving on to the third round as well, and they will play um, Conroe Oak Ridge, I believe, who beat Saxe, I think, if I recall. Sounds about right. Now, another team, just like the Colony, that won their first playoff series ever was Reedy. They had to come back down 3-0 the entire game against Lake Dallas. You know, Lake Dallas pitching was phenomenal in the doubleheader. Ryan Depperschmidt, by the way, is Lake Dallas' MVP. Okay. I don't know if y'all got that. If y'all if y'all think that after... Interesting. Because that's the only time I've seen them play. Yeah. He's their leadoff hitter. He mm-hmm. got on base every at-bat except for one in the two games. You know, he just found a way to get on base every time. He gave up one run in a seven-inning complete game victory in game two uh, to force a game three, mm-hmm. and he was just awesome. Uh, anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there. Ryan Depperschmidt was awesome. Uh, without him, they, they get swept. Yeah. Um, but then in game three, Tyler Duffy, a guy who hadn't really started much all year because Lake Dallas has two really good pitchers yeah. in Depperschmidt and Mason Meeks, he comes in there, doesn't allow a run until the fifth inning, and this 3D lineup is really good. And uh, <laughs> Coach Chris Cox, Reedy head coach, he told me after the game, he's like, "Yeah, in that fifth inning, I did not feel confident. I thought we, you know, he he told me he thought they were they were done. And then they just, you know, they got two two hits in the two runs in the fifth. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a, a kid, Josh Hernandez, uh, unsung hero for Reedy, a sophomore. He was filling in the original uh, center fielder. He uh, got hurt for the ear. Uh, he's out for the season. He got hurt last week in practice. And so he's come in, you know, eight hole hitter." Had the the game tying RBI double mm-hmm. in the sixth inning, and, you know, and then they score a run a couple batters later, and they win four to three, pretty dramatic victory. And Reedy, they're off to play forty now. Yeah, <laughs> one of the one of the toughest teams, you know, in the state. You know, two of the best pitchers in the state, also. So we'll we'll see if they can uh, keep the magical ride going. What was the uh, saw the story dropped over the weekend that one of Forney's pitchers, Mason Enghardt or whatever, he mm-hmm. tied the state record with 55 oh, yeah. consecutive scoreless innings. Yeah, So it's so. it's going to be tough for Reedy, but congratulations to them for winning their, their first ever playoff series. Uh, yeah. yeah. So then let's, uh, let's shift gears then to some track and field. So um, Later this week, we have the state meet, and one of the uh, you know one of the teams that'll be prominently featured at state is going to be McKinney North. And um, prior to state, uh, Kendrick Johnson had a chance to swing by and chat with their superstar distance runner London Culbreth as the subject for our fast forward rewind student athlete spotlight. Enjoy. Kendrick Johnson coming to you once again for another action pack fast forward rewind. This week's guest is a three-time state record holder, three-time state champion. And she's only a sophomore. Please welcome London Colbert, star, a long-distance runner from McKinney North. How does it feel to be, have accomplished so much in such short time? Um, I mean, I feel so blessed, and um, I'm just 
so thankful that God gave me the opportunity to do this. Um, I, yeah, it's just it's a great feeling. What's the difference between this year and last year? Like, I'm gonna say people didn't know who you were, but if they didn't know who you were, they learned by the by this time last year. This year, you've kind of had a, a bulls on your back the whole, everywhere you go, so it's a lot different. Or to just make you run that much harder. Yeah. So last year, I kind of like didn't really know what to expect. Like it was my first year, so I just kind of jumped in and I did really well. So I think it's kind of um, a little bit more like pressure on me this year because I I think there's like kind of standards that I I should be like getting faster or like beating my time so I know like that's definitely different it's not just coming in for the first time it's like kind of comparing my times that I ran last year and there's just like I guess um more um I wouldn't say pressure but just kind of more drive to beat my times from last year and um just like progress and get better so do you, so are you competing with yourself or do you do you, like when you come on and you see people kind of intimidated cuz they know who you are yeah. do you feel like you're like you're competing against the the field or is it just you competing against yourself and trying to get those times Um it's whenever it's kind of like a race where um I'm seated number 1 uh I just kind of think I'm running against time so it's not that I'm not running against anyone but um I'm running against myself or I'm running against time uh trying to beat my time How's it feel to set that record last week at the regional tournament it felt amazing. <laughs> I was really excited. What was your what was your goal? Was that was that the plan, or to just kind of let this happen? For the mile. Yeah. Um, well, I was planning on running 450, or like actually sub 450, because I haven't broken I haven't broken 450 yet. So um, I guess I was kind of hoping for a faster time, but the fact that I got the record was satisfying and um, like relieving. Now I know you you live for the big tournaments, and this is the biggest as they are, yeah. they are coming up. Are you focused on setting your breaking your own, your record from last year and trying to set a record in the mile, or is you just finding a way to get two two gold medals and get points for your team, or is the record is is part of the package too? Um, I mean, I know points are really crucial this year. Um, knowing like we kind of lost a senior last year, and uh, there's really good competitors, so I I know there's a uh, point aspect. But for me personally, I'd love to get the mile record. I think that's like 4:48, and that's what I've been like trying to get this whole season. So that just perfect to get it at state um, with the two mile uh, I'd love to come close to like what I ran last year and I think I got the record in that so if I broke that again too that'd be really cool but I know they're in the same day so uh, I guess it just depends on how much I have in me or how like how much energy and effort I use in one race and how it affects the other how, how much is going through it last year because that's that's a crazy turnaround you got to run two miles and then you got to run another mile because last year I remember that was the yeah. closest race I've seen you in that was that mile but it yeah. seemed like you didn't have your regular legs because you had ran two miles a day before yeah. so going through that process what did you learn from that especially since you came because it's, it's a lot easier to win um, to learn from a win than a loss <laughs> yeah. well um yeah, I was kind of disappointed that it was all on the same day because I won't have, like, full time to recuperate and, you know, refresh my legs. And I was going to try to do the 800 this year. This year would have probably been perfect because I think I have one of the um, highest times in, or lowest time, yeah, lowest times in that um, right now. So um, I was a little disappointed that they're on the same day. But, you know, I have to work with what I got and just, uh, I guess, push through it. And I know the mile will probably be tough, but we'll probably figure out a way to, like, if I'm more leaning towards the mile record, kind of save some energy in, the th in that two mile. Has your life changed a little bit? Because, like, you're only 16. I know you you, you, you got really good grades. And, but this spotlight, how have you been dealing with that, the fact that people know who you are? And I've seen people stop you for pictures and stuff yeah. like that. And I know you're kind of like a, a shy personality. How have you gotten used to all that? 
I mean, I'm just really grateful for this kind of opportunity, and, um, you know, I definitely don't see myself as, like, you know, like, really big, and people will tell me that, but, I mean, I just think of myself as another runner, and, uh, I mean, I'm just running for God, basically, God's glory. How's your, how's your mental game improved? I know you improved in every aspect, but that's an underrated aspect that you were very, yeah. you were very high on last year. How you took it into even another level this year? Yeah, so after Nike, I mean, that was kind of like a really big letdown for me. So that kind of like changed my perspective mentally and like, like I need to get on it and um, I'm going to make the season so much more better. So uh, I just think like after, you know, that loss at Nike, my mental mental aspect of running has definitely changed in the fact of, okay, I'm going to like wipe the dirt off my shoulders and I'm just going to get up and give everything I have to make that not happen again. <laughs> so. Does, um, I'm say, not performing as well as you can on a national stage, is that something that, that you keep in? Because like some of these people think that you never lost, but the fact that you lost that race, is that kind of something that inspires you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think about it. I kind of use it as motivation now. I mean, definitely afterwards I was really upset about it, but, you know, I mean, it had happened. What happened couldn't have changed how I ran. So, um, like, now I just use it as motivation to, um, to train harder and work harder. And yeah, I know you're far from cocky, but it's got to have that. What's that feeling to know that people need their personal best just to remotely compete with you? Um, I mean, it is very hard to take in, you know. It's just... I'm just very thankful for the gift I have. So, and, and that mile run, how much did that make you a better runner? Because last year, that's why, like, you were like, no, nah. the girl was on your shoulder, oh, and yeah. I know that's your friend from Alito. Yeah, Gracie. Gracie yeah, yeah. How, how much did that 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 particular race make you a better runner? Because we saw you have to like kind of like set her up, and then you 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 kind of run on back stretch. You used your sprinting and stuff like that, and it was like a physical race for yeah. it to be a race. <laughs> that was probably <laughs> one of my favorite races. Um, it was one of the funnest too uh i just it was fun to get to compete with somebody like to the very end and so you know like both of our strategies were the same and so when none of us were going out first it was just kind of like a sit and wait game and so she was waiting for me to go i was waiting for her to go um which you know that doesn't work so whenever we got to the last lap it was just like we both went and um it was just that sprint at the end, and it was just really fun. <laughs> I kind of liked getting that energy and um, just that kind of, like, reaction from the crowd, and it was really fun. How many, how many colleges, what are some of the top colleges that reached out to you? I know some people in the college track scene, and when I tell them, oh, yeah, I cover a lot of coverage, I, I have a good ratio where, oh, she's special. <laughs> Take it How does that feel, the fact that these colleges are starting to goo-goo gaga on when <laughs> your, your, your signature to come to their school? Yeah, I mean, it feels great. Um, I'm not really for sure about all the schools, but um, I have been getting, like, some letters. and. We can't uh, get no names? <laughs> well, I mean, I know I got one in the mail. I remember this from Nevada or Nevada. Or, um, and then I've, I know I've gotten, like, one from Arkansas, uh, Texas Tech, I think, uh, Baylor, and um, I'm not really for sure, but I think <laughs> those are ones I've gotten them from. So um, physically, what have you done this year? Because it's not like you've got a lot more muscle uh, on your on your body, which is a good thing. But how do you keep from like getting like too big and keep your regular frame so you can be able to do what you do? Well, we do weight rooms on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I mean just staying consistent with that, I guess, helped. I mean, I haven't really noticed, but I mean, I'm glad you have because I mean they look pretty small to me. But um, you know, and yeah, so we'll just be doing weight room a lot, and um, yeah, we'll just. Yeah. <laughs>
what you done done some things that people don't even do in their career. How do you stay motivated? And is the ultimate goal that you about to stay records? Is the ultimate goal to set, put these records so out of reach that somebody come? They just got to be that person, oh, yeah, or you just are you worried about just getting getting the medals and doubling oh, no. the next the next four years or the next three years to to double? So you be like one of the few people. I, don't, I wonder if that's been done. I'm gonna do some research on that on getting that double the 32 and the 1600 four years in a row. No, I'm definitely like whenever I race, I'm shooting the like give my best and um if I do get a record make it as hard for anybody else to reach as possible so um you know if I'm going to break a record I want it to last as long as it can because um, I just think that shows like how much it's worth and so um usually like it's not it's I guess it kind of depends on the race but you know at national meets it's a little bit different you're just kind of going for um you know place but at Brooks last year, at first I was trying, like, we set multiple goals. So if I was, if I knew in the race I wasn't going to get first, I was going to try to get the fresh, the national freshman record, which was for time and records. So um, I ended up doing that. Although I didn't get first, I got third, but I did get the record. So, you know, it's always good to have both kind of plans, but um, just depending on the race. How yeah. big a deal is that national freshman record? And to know that the lady that's, that you broke the record, I think she's like the face of yeah. American long, long Distance Running, so that could be you in a decade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was awesome. <laughs> what's the ultimate goal for this week with with your dad? Give us some insight. I know your dad has like he has like little things that motivate you. What's the motivation for this week for, for State? Have y'all talked about that? Um, I mean, he did bring up the record in the mile, and so whenever he brought that up, I was like, oh, yeah, like I really want to get that because – you know, um, we've been just working on, like, speed lately uh, at school and um, turnover work. So I'm hoping, like, that can, uh, you know, go towards that record and hopefully I can beat it. And final question, you want to um, give, give a uh, shout-out to your supporters as you got so many people that we don't see behind the scenes to help London Colbert be the star athlete that you are? Yeah, I mean, definitely my parents, my coach, my friends, my teammates, anybody who's um, helped me at all in my running career, soccer career. Um, just anybody who's influenced my life, I just thank them so much. <laughs> from another Fast Forward Rewind segment, Kenny Johnson coming to you from McKinney North, home of state champion London Colbert, who's trying to get not one, not two, but three more titles and two more records this yeah. weekend in Austin. Big thanks to London Culbreth for taking the time to chat with Kendrick for the uh, Fast Forward Rewind Student Athlete Spotlight. And let's just use that as a nice way to springboard into some state track talk. Um, for this, I'm being joined by Devin Hassan, who's the sports editor for our Rowlett and Mesquite papers. You know, state track's always a, always a cool deal. It's later this week, Friday and Saturday, out at um, Mike A. Meyer Stadium out down at the University of Texas in Austin. And sure enough, I mean, Devin, we always have a, a pretty hefty turnout for the uh, for the state track meet. So we're just going to, you know, kind of obviously can you know, get, get everybody because we got a ton of kids there and we only got so much time but we're you know we're going to touch on some of the more predominant storylines you know within our markets heading into the state meet um starting over in class 5a where of all of the uh, the teams that we have headed down to austin probably the one that has the uh, the highest likelihood of you know doing some damage in the overall standings potentially uh you know bringing home some hardware is mckinney north the uh, the two-time defending class 5a state champions on the girls side lady bulldogs have another strong contingent heading down to austin um Devin 
and just um, a little bit on kind of what uh, what North has to look forward to later this week. Well, uh, you, you just mentioned London, yeah, um, which gives them a, a great opportunity to get to get off to a strong start. Obviously, yeah. in, the, in the distance events, uh, if you follow high school track and field, she's almost become a household name. She's I mean, even even if you don't cover McKinney North, you know who London Culpeth is because she's accomplished so much on a state mm-hmm. and national stage uh, in just a sophomore. Yep. So, just, I, so you know, she, she's gonna she's gonna be the heavy favorite in, in both those events. Uh, you know, you know, Frisco Liberty, uh, Carrie Fish uh, is certainly somebody that can challenge her. Uh, but when you talk about the team championship, obviously the two-time reigning champs, uh, it comes down to the relays. You know, those relays for people that don't may not know, they get double the amount of points in the events, and that's generally speaking, the team that wins the state championship has to excel in the relays and have to qualify. Well, McKinney North did just that. They qualified their 4x1, 4x2, and 4x4. So that gives them an excellent chance to rack up points. They're highly seeded in each of those events. Yep. Uh, so they're expecting big points out of that. When you take into account Loving Culbert also, you know, they kind of assume that she's going to pick up maybe 10 points that's, in both the yeah, 1600. That's and, and, points right there. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's, it's a stacked field. I don't know if McKinney North necessarily has the depth that they've had uh, the past two years, but they're certainly be, be a contender. And if they can, you know, shine in the relays, they're going to be right up there toward the top. With um, you mentioned that relay, the relays, and their four by four was. I mean, that was one of the best uh, performances period by a uh, you know by a team at um, at regionals, the Region Two Five A meet. They um, they enter state with the number one seed time, and they ran a Region Two record, three forty two fifty nine in the four by four. So um, yeah, and they're like Devin said, you know, their four by one, the four by two, those were you know each seated third overall. So they have a chance, you know, at least on paper to do some damage in both those events. Um, it's going to require you know. The the tall task will be if it's enough to overtake Mansfield Lake Ridge, which yes. was you know McKinney North placed second at regionals to Lake Ridge by about thirty points in the standings, and I mean Lake Ridge had um, I mean they had some athletes that not only did they win gold but they won gold by a fairly significant margin in some of those events, and that's the kind of thing that can be a bit more magnified at state once you work in those uh, you know those regional qualifiers mm-hmm. from the other three regions and whatnot. Um, let's see, you mentioned London. I mean oh, we just got to mention just what her seed times are and just how. Like, <laughs> How jaw dropping yeah. some of these uh, these margins of victory could potentially be. So she enters in the thirty two hundred. Her um, her regional time in that was a ten twenty five eighty seven. That is twenty four seconds faster than second than the next fastest time among those state qualifiers. And that's Carrie Fish, first yep. for Liberty. Um, it's. Not as not as uh, much of a disparity in the sixteen hundred, but um, you know, she, London ran a four fifty three sixteen. That's six seconds faster than Carrie Fish. First off, like, how much you feel if you're Carrie Fish, who's a senior, yeah. has I mean, she she was the only um, the only other runner to run a sub eleven minute uh, thirty two hundred and a sub five minute uh, sixteen hundred, but she's gonna finish. Like there's just there's a ceiling there because like London Culbert is this glass ceiling. There's just there's no breaking through. And you know Carrie Fish for all of her, uh, I mean she'd be the best runner in the in the state in Class Five A, best distance runner in the state if not for if yeah. for London Culbert. Well, and, and, and again it's it's not just it's you know the stage can be a little bit intimidating yeah. out there. That Mike A. Myers is an incredible atmosphere, mm-hmm. but you've got someone like London Culbert who's done this on a, on a national level. Oh, yeah. I mean she's been to the biggest meets, uh, whether it be AAU, USA Track and Field. She's competed in all these events. So you know the the, the, the Atmosphere that, that you know the, the stage isn't going to frighten her, and that, yeah, it's, it's it's tough for for opposing runners. She, I think, she probably has that uh, intimidation factor coming in because you know you got to run the race of your life just to hope to hang, you know, stay with Pretty her. Pretty much, that's, 
That's a very good way to put it. There's one um, one other storyline for that 1600 that's going to be, it's a bit of a bummer that this isn't going to get to materialize, but um, you know, last year at State, um, one of the few times at the high school level, um, you actually got to see London like with a runner like within striking distance of London entering that home stretch, and that was uh, Gracie Morris, who was um, you know, the same same year as London last year when they were both freshmen. You know, London won the uh, you know she won the sixteen hundred with a four fifty five oh six. You know, Gracie Morris ran a four fifty five seventy five, so just seven tenths of a second. Which I mean, that's just in distance running. That's. It's that's rare. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, obviously with, the, with those two being freshmen at the time, you know, all fingers are crossed that you get a rematch because that's when they're freshmen. You're thinking the this is the first of potentially four years of these two just mm-hmm. throwing down on state. Well, unfortunately, Gracie Morris suffered a foot injury uh, during cross country season at a Foot Locker uh, regional meet and um, in November, and that has uh, sidelined her completely for uh, for track season. So we won't get to see that rematch, um, but never maybe maybe mm-hmm. next year. Go hope for next year. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the other uh, notable storylines in class. Class 5A, um, obviously, Frisco ISD is always going to have plenty of uh, you know plenty of kids headed to state. Um, Devin, I'm sure you can speak a little bit to um, just kind of what uh, Frisco Heritage at least has. You know, yeah, I, I was going to say I don't know if there's necessarily any team contenders mm-hmm. for, for the for the team championship, but there's certainly some individuals yeah. that have the potential of, of, of claiming gold down in Austin. Um, Simone Watkins in the hundred hurdles, she enters with a, a time of 1418, mm-hmm. which is the number one seeded um, uh, time coming in. Uh, Bailey Lear over at Frisco Heritage as well. Uh, She's number one ranked uh, at 400. One mm-hmm. uh, is eight consecutive races, which um, yeah, she's pr- which, which pretty much all season long. Yeah. Bailey Lear didn't get to run last year because she transferred from from McKinney, wasn't able to run last season. But she's just yeah, she's come out like a house of fire all season long. And, and I'm, I mentioned Simone Watkins in the hundred hurdles. Uh, that's going to be kind of a uh, an interesting battle between a fellow Frisco ISD athlete, Brooke Shepherd, uh, but they enter as the top two uh, times in the 300 hurdles. Uh, they've gone back and forth uh, through district yeah. area through regionals so um, actually uh, actually um, Simone Watkins lost for the first time at the regional meet yeah. uh, um, you know to Brooke Shepard so expect those two to kind of battle it out for gold and silver there um, and then Michael um, Schmull in the pole vault yeah. is, is one of the top there's I guess there's three uh, pole vaulters that have cleared 16 feet heading into the meet so um, he's certainly a contender to take the medal stand and then um, just a quick couple quick notes on Lovejoy another team that's going to be prominently featured down at state, you know, they'll, um, you know, Grace Ridgeway, their star pole vaulter, she'll get a chance to defend her state championship. They also have a medalist, um, you know, Chase Van Wagner, a star for the football team committed to TCU. Mm-hmm. He um, he was the bronze medalist last year in the long jump, and he'll get a chance to improve on that. He enters with the number two uh, seed in the long jump at a uh, twenty-three-six and a quarter. Plus, they have a um, you know a newcomer to the uh, to the state mix, one of the stars of their cross country team, uh, Will Muirhead, just a uh, just a sophomore, but he enters with the number one seed time in the sixteen hundred, a four nineteen seventy. He um, he shaved 12 seconds off of his mark from the area meet, so um, yeah, potentially the first uh, the first meet of a uh, of, uh, potentially three trips to uh, to state for uh, for Will Muirhead. Yeah, and, and, and Poteet has a couple out these that are been down there competing. Dorian Morris, who's a, a, yeah. another standout from the football field, um, he runs the, he qualified in the 400. He's the regional champion out of there out of um, out of that region, but um, he runs the 100, 200, and 400, which is not common in track. You usually oh, yeah. have a 100 and 200 guy, but then you have the middle. 
middle distances, you might you see a guy run the four and the eight. But Dory Morris um, almost qualified in the 200 as well. Uh, you know, made the regional meet in the 100. So um, he comes in with the third best qualifying time. So he's certainly capable of making the uh, the medal stand. And um, Vi Wynn uh, in the shot puts, um, she's was she was in state last year. Uh, I mean, Faith Ed is one of those outstanding Mansfield yeah. Lake Real, Lake Ridge athletes that uh, uh, is probably the favorite. I think she had the furthest throw by almost five feet. So she's the unquestioned favorite. But Vi, certainly she comes in with the fourth best um, uh, qualifying mark. So she um, is certainly a candidate to make the medal stand. Over in Class 6A, let's just touch on some of the more notable plot lines there. Um, I'm just looking through them, um, just you know, various seed times. Like 6A Region 1 was an absolute just murderers row in several of these events but specifically I think in the uh, in the 800 on the girls side I was checking so you had um, the top three seed times in the race all came from 6A region one <laughs> so then you factor so I was curious then like fourth place you know one of the uh, you know one of the girls from Plano Bianca Carocchio she ran a uh, 211.65 in the 800 but she didn't make state because obviously <laughs> only three people only three people max from a region can yeah. make it but she would have had that 211.65 would have been the fourth highest oh wow would have been the fourth fastest seed time of the uh, of the state qualifiers. So just just a tough draw being in a region quite like uh, you know six A region one. Um, you know, but Plano will have some representation. They'll have uh, Kennedy Blackman, who is a uh, you know their star. Um, you know, she runs the uh, four hundred and the two hundred. She enters with the number one seed in the uh, in the four hundred of fifty three sixty eight. She's number three in the two hundred in twenty with a twenty three seventy two. She's the only six A girl who's competing in both of those events at state and kind of like similar to the workload for Bailey Lear, Frisco Heritage. We just talked about. I've always been. I'm impressed that athletes are able to make that kind of turnaround when you run those two events because there's only one race that's in between the 400 and the 200, and that's the 300 hurdles. And I don't know if if you've ever experienced this, but I feel like of all of the uh, whenever you're covering a track meet and you try to talk to athletes after their race just to get comments on whatever, it feels like the 400 runners are the ones who are the most exhausted. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, yeah, she's you know Kennedy's going to only get about maybe 45, 50 minutes before having to run. You know that 200, but I'm just amazed that you know just that she was able to just turn around and shake off just a uh, just a very taxing 400, and then still qualify in the uh, in the 200. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's you mentioned the quick turnaround, and, and especially at that distance, because for instance, last year Kayla Harris at Horn, yeah, she ran the four by one. The 100 hurdles and 100 meters. Oh wow! So you, you're basically having three races in less than half an hour. Wow! Um, but but again, there's there's sprints. But when you take again, you talk about the 400 and then having to get over that right away mm -hmm. to run the 200. Yeah, that's it's a pretty incredible feat. There's um one race that I'm excited to see just what the uh, just how it all shakes out is the 100 meters on the uh, on the boys side for 6A because there was a uh, there was a bit of a snafu down at regionals and just uh, no actual times were recorded. So for whatever reason. And when the uh, the starting gun went off for the 6A uh, for the finals of the Region One boys uh, 100 meter dash, when the starting gun went off, it didn't compute with their electronic timing equipment. So you ran the race; it was a really close competitive race. I would have been fascinated to see what the actual times were, but you know it's it's at UTA, and UTA is about as quick as it is as far as you know. When you finish the race, you look up at the scoreboard and you can see the times. The times are all right there. No times, though, for that 100. So we weren't sure if it was just, oh, it was that close to finish, and they're just having a tough time figuring out who finished where. But no, there was, a, I guess, a lapse in there uh, with their equipment. So nobody threw the, uh, nobody was actually given a time for what they ran for that race. They had to go through and use uh, cameras 
to try to then figure out, okay, he finished first, he finished oh, second. Okay, they just visually... Yeah, yeah. So there was like a, at least a, like a good like 45 minutes to an hour before like you learned who the top, you know... So, so, so was there any speculation? Because obviously the top ranks... Mm-hmm. Non automatic qualifier gets in. Was there any? I we, mean, how did we they? Had, um, I mean, they called they called the coaches for. Um, it was Pascal, Plano, and Allen were the three coaches that were called down to midfield to the you know near the podium and whatnot. So you had a feeling that those might be the three. And um, you know, you could see Kyron Cumby of Plano Senior. You know, as he was you know kind of sitting there, kind of in limbo like the rest of us. But then you heard him you know kind of mouth to somebody off in the distance that he finished second, or he was told that he finished second. So um, it was kind of strange, like what they yeah, had to do then <laughs> is. Just for the sake of being able to submit a time, you know, just in case for that last wild card spot, they had the the third place finisher, Asante Fazaro of Allen. He ran a hundred by him a hundred by himself at the end of the meet, just so they could submit that time. I, I don't think I've ever even heard of that before. I mean, that is just it's bizarre. Very very strange. So if you check on the UIL's website, because um, obviously you know Kyron and then the uh, the first place finisher. Um, it was uh, with Fort Worth Pascal, uh, Gregory uh, Schollers. They didn't have times that they could submit. So it just says on the seed times, 2.01 for Schollers and 2.02 for Cumbie, which would be which, world records that would never be broken, but obviously yeah, that's not what they and, actually and, ran. And, and, as, as I was going through qualifying times, I just happened to scroll through and see that. I, I thought it was just a misprint, or I had no idea. No, no, that they yeah, had we had two, two high school kids just ran a two-second, 100-meter yeah. dash. Well, it's, Pretty impressive. What's so weird about that, Devin? I don't know why you would say such a thing. So um, it's, it's kind of fascinating then to kind of think of what that, um, how that'll translate because I would have been fascinated to know what Kyron's time was to see how it would stack up with um, you know, with the rest of these. If you look off of kind of what he had been, the range that he had been in all year, it's about a 10.45 10.50, his PR is 10 uh, 10.38, which if you're just going strictly off the PR, that would be the number two seed time, mm-hmm. but if you're looking at more like kind of his range, that's probably closer to like, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth overall, but um, yeah, just a, a fascinating subplot from, uh, from regionals is no one's quite sure what to expect out of Kyron yeah. Cumbie. <laughs> or, you know, Greg Schollers from, uh, from Fort Worth Pascal. Um, let's see, do we have any, uh, where else do we have? Um, Allen. Oh, yeah, we'll have, um, you know, obviously, stuff to monitor with Allen at State. Um, you know, we mentioned Kennedy Blackman in the uh, in the 400. Um, another athlete that's going to be uh, qualified for that is her club teammate, Allen's own um, Esther Ekianyanwu. And, um, you know, Esther, you know, she's in, she enters with the fourth seed time, albeit by just one one-hundredth of a second. You know, so there's obviously still plenty of reason to believe that she could wind up on the medal stand. It was last year, though, at State that she uh, she placed second and ran a PR of 53.83. So she's got the, you talked about being able to overcome the nerves of competing at State. This is going to be Esther's third time, I believe, competing in the 400 at State. And, um, you know, so she's been through that, uh, you know, through that, uh, you know, through that experience once already, whereas this is Kennedy. Kennedy qualified last year in the 200, but her first time running the 400 at State as well. Um, elsewhere um, with Allen, you have Tosin Alau, who is the, um, on paper at least, the overwhelming favorite in the triple jump. She uh, has the top seed, um, and she jumped a 41.9.5 at regionals. That was almost two feet further than the <laughs> next closest. And in the triple jump, that is, two feet is a massive gap between, you know, between, uh, you know, two, uh, two athletes. So we'll see if form holds. You know, Tosin's another athlete with several years of uh, of experience competing in all these high level meets and whatnot. She made it to state as a freshman, so um, yeah, we'll see what what holds uh, holds for her out there. Um, other notes. Alyssa Miller with McKinney Boyd, she's going to be very busy. She qualified in three events. She'll be competing in both of the hurdles, the 100 and the 300 hurdles, as well as the high jump. And then you've got a um, you know a couple former state medalists at Mark. <coughs> They're going to be in action with uh, Quinn, uh, Quinn Owen. 
They're 1600 runner. She's going to get to defend her state championship after, um, let's see, after running a 452.76. That's the number one seed time at regionals. She actually ran five seconds faster last year in winning state at. Um, as just a as just a junior, and then you have their pole vaulter, uh, Mackenzie Hayward, who has the number two uh, number two mark in the uh, in the pole vault. She um, she was the silver medalist last year at state, um, but she enters like kind of like the boys pole vault over in five A. There's four there's four different athletes that have the seed uh, the seed distance the seed vault of uh, of twelve six. So it should be a very competitive race there. Um, let's see, we've also got um, let's see for Flower Mound, Jarrett Kirk. Um, you know he's going to be he has the number one seed time in the uh, in the thirty two hundred. 909.64, only time below 910. So on paper, he is a you know should have a bit of an edge in that race. And then also for Plano, you have Ashlyn Hilliard, who has the number number two seed time in the 3200, as she looks to win her first uh, state championship in track and field. That's about that's about all I had, Devin. Yeah, I just I, w- I was going to touch on Rowlett real briefly. Um, you know, Rowlett, uh, the boys' track and field program, um, they have a little bit of history. And, mm-hmm. and when you look at Garland ISD as a whole, they don't have they've had success in the playoffs, but they haven't had a lot of success winning state championships. Mm-hmm. You know, Garland High football won four, yeah. but that was 56, 63, 64, then 99. Garland High mm-hmm. softball had the nice run of four state, state tournaments under Tommy Garrison, and they won a couple state tr- uh, titles uh, during that run. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Rowlett Boys track, 2008, 2009, with Marquise Goodwin, oh, yeah. obviously an uh, outstanding all-around athlete currently in the, in the NFL, um, and Kyle Clemens, an accomplished mm-hmm. runner on his in his own right. But that's it for Garland ISD. So right, the Rowlett Boys track program, they really wear that kind of badge of honor. Mm-hmm. They're proud of it. And it's, it's they have a high bar. Um, and I'm not going to say they're, they're not going to win the state championship this year, but they're sitting in a nice contingent. I mean, Harrison Manuel finished second in the 110 hurdles. Mm-hmm. Um, Katavian Humber of, of John Tyler is the favorite in that event, but all nine are separated. It's, there's very little separation between all nine qualifiers. Um, and they also sent a couple of relays. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're four by one. Harrison Manuel is in that group, along with uh, Precious Ilugu. Um, I, I butchered that, but it's, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's, it's uh, it, yeah, Emmett yeah. Seals and Jared Wesley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also qualified their 4x4 with Emmett Seals and Jared Wesley mm-hmm. also on that team, uh, along with Lance Canyon, the district champion, the 400, and Jerry Evans. So with having two relays and, and Harrison Manuel, who's a contender to make the medal stand, you know, they're not going to win the team championship. Mm-hmm. But they could finish in the top ten if, they, if the relays perform. All righty. Hey folks, that is a, a nice little quick primer for the state track and field meet later this week, Friday and Saturday, out at UT in Austin. Um, you know, we'll have recaps from all the happenings at a state track once the meet concludes. Um, you can check out all that good stuff at starlocalsports.com. Otherwise, Devin, appreciate y'all for tagging along. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Brian and Justin earlier for um, talking some baseball and softball. Folks, we'll be back on Thursday with another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. Y'all enjoy the rest of your week. We will talk to y'all later. Thanks again to our sponsors, Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area.
But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.